She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I think it's a low bar for uh, the President of the United States to simply say uh, he's against uh, racism. Uh, he's got to do better than that. There are millions of people who refuse to accept this notion that America should be whites only or dominated by one race forever. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the show, everybody. Good to be with you. And guess what? Another jam-packed program today. We're going to be speaking with Bishop Harry Jackson about the pastor's briefing that will be happening in St. Louis, Missouri, and then his recent visit to the White House. And we have a discussion on racism, racism, racism. Now, you might just hear the word and immediately a cloud of exhaustion descends upon you. And if that's the case, I'm with you. The reason we have to talk about it is because there's so much misinformation out there that paints, oh, I don't know, 63% of Americans as utter rabid racists and the rest of the country as their unwitting and helpless victims. This couldn't be further from the truth. And there's a reason why I'm pointing this out. Because if we don't have the truth, if we're not armed with the truth, we can't, we can't communicate. We can't make changes. We can't stop the virulent, I'd say, dissemination of lies, really. And so that's what's going on. So we, we have, first of all, to acknowledge that racism is sin. It's sin just like lying. It's sin just like cheating. All sin is sin, which means it separates us from God. But what else? What I mean, what? why do we have to always talk about race? Why are we not always talking about murder or sexual assault or, or things like that? Why is it only racism that seems to get the majority of the attention in this country? Well, because it's being used as a po- political battle axe. If you can take the race card and form it into Thor's hammer and completely eliminate your opponent with one blow then that's much more effective than dealing with the fact that your policies stink or you have not accomplished what you set out to do or that you're actually not able to accomplish what you've set out to do with the types of legislative actions that you intend on taking, therefore race. So anytime the left fails at something, race. Anytime there's something that's a hypocritical moment for them, race. Anytime they're losing elections and they can't figure out why, race. Now they've added a couple of other helpful tools to their their arsenal. Obviously, there's sexism and misogyny, and then there's the entire rise of cis this or that, CIS, gender, cis, normative, you know, all of that garbage where you create a word, you define it, and then you label millions of people with it, heterosexual normativity, all of that garbage. And we'll discuss that at another point. But right now, we have to go into this because we've got people on almost every channel talking about race. Van Jones, admittedly someone who often defers to race when subjects get difficult, has actually made a new foray into the discussion, elevating racism to the level of Nazism. And there is a difference. Someone preferring to be around people of their own ethnicity, however you take that, is not akin to Nazism, which is the eradication of entire ethnic groups based solely upon the fact that you just don't want them around. So he says there's no difference between hateful Nazi rhetoric and conservative media, which means he's attacking me. 
He probably doesn't know that I exist, admittedly, but there's a point to this that he's painting with a broad brush and it's intentional. So I want to listen to him talk and he's actually comparing um, hateful rhetoric of an open uh, kind of he's a white supremacist out in some little, you know, tiny town somewhere where all of his neighbors disagree with him. And he plays a clip of that. And then where we come in is where he starts talking about Laura Ingram. And Laura Ingram was pointing out on her program about the the demographic changes that have occurred in this country. And this goes back to the immigration bill that was passed by Teddy Kennedy. And he did that in order to radically change the composition of the United States. He openly admitted that. And now that those changes are seeing fruition, the fact that someone may notice it and also happen to be white, like Laura Ingram, makes her a Nazi as opposed to someone like Ann Coulter and others. I mean, they're just you name it. If you're on the conservative side, we've all been saying that rapid immigration and migration and illegal immigration are going to result in a loss in what it means to be an American. So that's not about ethnicity. That's not about keeping America white. That's about keeping America, America. Huge difference there. But he wants to equate the two because he needs to paper over the fact that there are these 30 to 40 million people here illegally. He needs to paper over the fact that 40% of those people are overstaying their visas, including people from Mexico, people here on visas from South America. He needs to paper over these things. So instead of discussing them, he wants to take one finger and point it directly at Laura Ingram and brand her as a Nazi. And anyone who watches her program or listens to conservative media by extension, Nazis also. It does seem like the America that we know and love doesn't exist anymore. Massive demographic changes have been foisted upon the American people. And they're changes that none of us ever voted for and most of us don't like. From Virginia to California, we see stark examples of how radically, in some ways, the country has changed. Now, I see zero difference between what Laura Ingram is saying on mainstream cable and what the Nazi was just saying in front of his house. It's literally, it's the same message, and it's wrong. But there is some good news in America. There are millions of people who refuse to accept this notion that America should be whites only or dominated by one race forever. In fact, all across the country, people are organizing, they're fighting back, embracing diversity in historic ways. So do you see what he does there? And, and this is something that you have to, we have to train ourselves to look for it because there's a deflection there. It's like the, the, uh, the shyster guy that you see when you're in New York City and you're walking down the park lane and he's over there with a upturned box and he's got three cards and they've all been tented. They've been folded so they, you know, have a little cup shape and he, he's moving the cards around with his hands and he's got on long sleeves and he has the card that he showed you. That one goes up underneath the wrist and the other three cards are put down. So you cannot win. When he plays, which card did I show you? There is no card that he showed you in among the three. There's no way you can win that game because you put down 10 or a dollar or whatever. It's it's a con game. It's it's him duping you out of your money. With Van Jones, he wants to dupe you out of being able to trust anyone that you see that happens to be a white person. He wants to dupe you into feeling guilty if you're a white person, even if you've never done anything wrong, even if you've never been uh, bigoted or racist, or even if you maybe, maybe you did have those feelings, but now you don't. Maybe you still have those feelings. This is America. We're free to sin and have bigoted feelings and be racist. And 
oh my goodness, Stacy, a black woman just said we're free to be right. Ra- we are. We're free to do anything in this country. That's the liberty we have. We have to face the consequences as well. But what he wants to do is say, for those people who are racist and for those who aren't, if you're white, you're all racist. And if you say anything about the illegal immigration that's going on in this country, our open border to the South, our broken visa system, if you say anything about that, we can't pay attention to what you said because you're a horrible person. We, we have to vilify you. We have to label you as a Nazi and we have to take you out. That's how they claim the moral high ground, because it's kind of hard to claim the moral high ground when you've said that you believe in open borders, that you don't think that breaking the law is breaking the law. As soon as you start justifying law breaking, you no longer have the high ground. In order to regain it, you have to vilify the people who are saying, hey, rules are rules. We have to follow the rules. As soon as you say that, bigot, Nazi, racist, horrible person. So this is not Stacy on the right justifies racism. I hate it. I think it's horrible. I don't think there's any justification for it. But I also don't think that 63 million or 63% of America Um, all of the white people in America at this point, that they're all racist. That's impossible. That is actually impossible. And I also don't think that the 60 some odd million Americans who did vote for Donald Trump comprise this monolith of, of, you know, racial behavior. All you have to do is look at Twitter and see all of the different, you know, barbecue Becky and all of these different memes that have been made about white people who happen to be liberals who are calling the cops on black people to know that ignorant behavior is it's not party to one side or the other. It's not just Republicans. It's not just liberals. Anyone can make a mistake or do something bad to someone else without it being politically motivated. But why is Van Jones using the particular label of Nazi on Laura Ingram and then by extension spreading it out to conservative media because they don't have any way to win on raising your taxes or leaving the border open or ignoring the crimes of illegal immigrants against hundreds of thousands of Americans, thousands who've been killed or sexually assaulted or brutally beaten. You can't beat that by saying, well, we want to keep the border open so we can have more MS-13. So you have to say, no, 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 don't look at the real problem. Look at this shiny object over here. It's called racism, and it's all of these millions of Americans who you work with, go to church with, pump gas with, buy groceries with, people that you see every day, some of whom smile and nod at you and greet you as strangers, some of them who maybe give you your seat on the bus or the subway train, some of these Americans who you got your car on the side of the road and your tire is flat and they pull over and help you out. They happen to be white, but they're still racist. Don't, Don't look at their actions. Listen to me. That's what Van Jones is saying. And I I found this clip of him so disturbing because Van Jones often makes sense on other issues like uh, criminal justice reform. He actually has some great ideas in that area. There there are are a few different topics where Van Jones literally makes a ton of good sense. He's gone into communities, interviewed people, talked to them about what their issues are. And on those topics, it's just like, oh, wow, that makes sense that that's a worthy discussion. But on this... He really mimics what everyone else has been saying on his side of the political aisle. And he's, he's really far on the left. Everyone on the left wants you to believe that there's a racist behind every corner. Every white person you see is just a horrible person. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. And anyone who buys into it is setting themselves up for a life of victimhood 
and constant negative energy. It's, it's like you're just walking around with a chip on your shoulder waiting for something horrible to happen by these horrible white people who are, they're like puppet masters and they're controlling every avenue of life, which couldn't be further from the truth, especially if you're a Christian. You know, there is no puppet master. There's a God you serve or you don't serve. He's still there. And yes, He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's in control of everything, but we have free will and we can do whatever we want down here. We can choose to be victims or we can choose to believe the truth, which is every person should be judged on their own merit, their own behavior towards you. And as Christians, we have to go the extra mile with our brother. Calling people Nazis is not going the extra mile unless they actually are legitimate Nazis. You know, I mean, there's that. So then... Elijah Cummings comes into this conversation because he says Donald Trump hasn't done enough to denounce racism, even though the president came out this weekend on the anniversary of the horrible Charlottesville riots that ended up with one protester being killed. And the president has said again, yet again, after multiple denunciations of white supremacy and the KKK and David Duke and, and every other person under the sun who has anything to do with racism, over and over and over again, President Trump has denounced these individuals and he's denounced racism. He's hired black people. He has black people on the staff at the White House. He's hired women. I, I'm not sure what else he can do. But he'll never be enough for Elijah Cummings and people like him because, again, this is the mantra. This is in the emails that they get on their listserv. This, these are the talking points. It's Republicans are racist. They're racist because they elected Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a racist. He wasn't back when he was hanging out with Coretta Scott King and and Al Sharpton and the Reverend Jesse Jackson, but he is now. And if you believe anything that Donald Trump says, if you're a member of his administration, if you voted for him, then you're a racist too. And no matter how often you denounce racism, no matter how often you work with black leaders, no matter how many black pastors you invite to the White House, you will always be a racist as well. So when we get back from the break, we're going to listen to Elijah Cummings raise the bar Because it's not just a bar that you can raise or lower. It's a bar that you can move from side to side, a bar that you can never actually overcome. You can never even meet it. Because the minute you think you've denounced something enough, the minute you've sat with black leaders, the minute you've been in the black community, the minute you've written checks and helped people, then the bar is raised to someplace else. And that's why we can never do anything about it. So what I want to see from us is that we have the proper response to this, which is obviously racism racism is sin just like every other sin. What are we going to do about it? Well, we repent, we pray, we move on. If you're not guilty of racism, work on your other sins. But when the Democrats are talking about it, we have to ignore it. We have to because they'll never, ever be satisfied. When we get back, we'll listen to that audio and more here on Stacey on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. What if I told you that you could clean your family's laundry and help reach the next generation at the same time? That opportunity is here through a company called Redeem Clean. Every time you use Redeem Clean products, you help support the ministry of the American Family Association. In addition to your regular AFA giving, Redeem Clean laundry detergent allows you to increase your support of AFA just by continuing to wash your family's clothes. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made in the USA and they were developed exclusively for the support of the American Family Association. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more, find options, 
and order Redeem Clean products at afastore.net. That's afastore.net. Hi, I'm Croft Loritz with a Legacy Moment. One of the things I love and appreciate about Steve Douglas, the president of Crew, is his love for and commitment to the Word of God. I've known Steve for more than 35 years now, and I've had the privilege of sitting in many meetings with him. He is a man of the Word of God, so it's no wonder that God is using him in a very fruitful way. God smiles on those who love and live his Word. I do have a concern, to be frank with you. I'm seeing a new level of biblical illiteracy among Christians. Now, I'm all in favor of singing and worship, but it seems as if the Word of God is not getting the spotlight that it ought to get and the place of preeminence, both in our worship services and in our general approach to Christianity. Listen to what is said about Ezra, this great servant of God, and why he was successful. Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and his ordinances to Israel. Just as Ezra had an enormous passion for God's word, our passion also ought to be to study and know the word of God. Secondly, to practice the word of God, to do it, not just to know it, but for it to affect our behavior. Then thirdly, our passion should be to teach and to share God's word with anyone in our sphere of influence. Here's what I want you to remember and do today. Make a commitment to read and apply the Word of God consistently. Your life will be transformed, and you will experience inexpressible joy. Crawford Loritz is Senior Pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in suburban Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, go to livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Legacy Moment is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are really unpacking some of the most recent statements here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. These most recent statements about uh, race and how we need a national discussion on race. No, we don't. We need, a, we need to come together on race and make some, some different decisions. No, we don't. This is an everyday thing, and it's not about race. It's about how we treat our fellow man. And there are always going to be nincompoops out there treating people unfairly, treating them poorly. We have laws for that. We have discrimination laws for that. We don't need a national discussion. So as we were coming out, uh, going into the the last break, we were uh, just kind of unpacking this ever-moving bar. And so I'm sure if if you're like me, all of us have been in a relationship with someone, a dysfunctional relationship where they'll say, I don't like the way you said this or that. And then you say, oh, okay, I, you know, I, I didn't realize that was bad. I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize for that. I won't say that again, or I won't do that again, or, you know, whatever it is. And then when you encounter this person again, they're still upset. What's wrong? What's going on? Well, you did this. And, and when you did this, it reminded me of when you did that. And I thought we agreed you wouldn't do that. Well, I didn't do that. And I didn't know this would offend you. I'm sorry about that. And so now you've apologized twice for two separate things. They're unrelated. And you see that person yet again. And they're still upset with you, but it's about yet another thing. And so you begin to get the feeling that you may never be able to apologize enough. You may never be able to actually get past the original wrong and that you are always going to be wrong. That is the position 
that tens of millions of white Americans find themselves in. Now, is there racism in this country? Absolutely. Will there always be some people who are, you know, of that mindset? Absolutely. Is it the majority of white people? Not even close. And are black people perpetual victims who will never be able to achieve or attain anything in America because of the oppression of white people? Well, the answer is, of course not. Black Americans are achieving things right now. Racism is always going to be around, but it is not at this point in the history of this country a factor that prevents Americans who have the permanent tan from achieving the American dream. I'm not excusing any incidences of racism that people may experience that people do experience. I have experienced racism myself, but it doesn't mean I'm a victim. It doesn't mean I get up every morning and say to myself in the mirror, what am I going to do today as a black woman? No, absolutely not. I'm a child of the king and I can overcome all obstacles in him. That's the joy of being a Christian, no matter what your ethnicity. So you've got Elijah Cummings. And this is a man who, you know, he was lying during the uh, civil rights movement. And he's never left those times. Mentally, we are still, blacks are still marching across bridges and, and, and trying to overcome. When in reality, all Americans are now actively competing with illegal immigrants just to maintain the rights that we have as citizens. I mean, things have definitely shifted, but it's not in the direction that Elijah Cummings would have us believe. So he was asked, you know, what, what, what about the president's statements about racism? He's denounced the, you know, racism. He, and, and Elijah Cummings had something to say that, again, it, the bar will never, ever be at a place where it can be met or overcome because the minute you've denounced and said, hey, you know, President Trump, I, I denounce racism in the strongest of terms. I don't believe in racism. I, I don't think we should have racism. I am not a racist and I do not countenance racism in my administration, et cetera, et cetera. And the more completely he denounces it, the more incomplete the denunciation happens to be. Because according to Eliza Cummings, it will never be enough. Joining us now is Congressman Elijah Cummings. He's the top Democrat on the House Oversight Committee and a former chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus. Congressman Cummings, thank you for joining us. It's good to be with you. So you heard the president's message now, a year after Charlottesville. Let's put it up on the screen one more time. He says, we must come together as a nation. I condemn all types of racism and acts of violence. Peace to all Americans. Has the president now gotten the message right on this? No, he has not gone far enough. I think it's a low bar for uh, the president of the United States to simply say uh, he's against uh, racism. Uh, he's got to do better than that. He's got to address the, the people who are uh, espousing racist-type uh, comments and doing racial racist-type acts. And um, the white supremacist, he seems like he can't get, he can't say those words. Now, Elijah Cummings probably doesn't realize that there's this thing called YouTube.com where you can type in Donald Trump denounces racism and find all kinds of individual video clips as well as mashups that other conservatives have done where they found all the times that he's done. I've played them on the air on my program and the president is heard over the decades denouncing racism, denouncing 
uh, bigotry. And I mean, just anything you can think of that has anything to do with race. He's denouncing anything bad and uplifting leaders in the black community. <laughs> so when he said no, he he's not saying no, that the president hasn't denounced it. He said it wasn't it didn't go far enough. He has to specifically use the terms white supremacy as if the president hasn't already used those terms. And other words, he can't denounce it enough. He'll never be able to do it enough. He'll never be able to undo the ills of racism that are now all Donald Trump's responsibility. He's literally Mr. Trump as president of the United States is literally in charge of every white supremacist all over the country, all over this, you know, millions of acres of, of, of America, 50 states, 328 million people. And if any of them are racist, Donald Trump's in control of them and he's responsible for them. Do you hear how ridiculous that is? Which, which leads me to why would, why would Elijah Cummings need to deflect? I talked about why Van Jones has to do it. He's, he's one of the mouthpieces of the, the hardcore leftist activists who have taken control of the Democrats. But what about Elijah Cummings? Well, in the intro, you heard Elijah Cummings is actually a former head of the Congressional Black Caucus. Interesting, because when I say CBC, the first thing you ought to think is, what have you done for me lately, CBC? Whether you're a black American or a white American, you pay their salaries just as well as any, any, anyone who's paying taxes. The CBC is, is a part of your responsibility as a citizen. And so you look at what, what has the CBC accomplished legislatively ever? What key, mark, key, landmark, uh, you know, key landmark legislation, what key landmark legislation have they ever passed? What are they responsible for? Besides lots of um, yearly banquets where they denounce racism, Besides going on, you know, thousands of hours of TV and radio hits where they denounce racism and call other people racist. Besides, you know, a a few scandals of, you know, some of their members not being able to manage their funds with their with their congressional staff and whatnot. But other than that, Congressional Black Caucus. uh, Like what? What? What has it done? So when you think about that, uh, then, you know, well. That's why Elijah Cummings wants to talk about President Trump being responsible for all racial issues. And I've, I've heard this continuing theme, which is why I think it's on a talking point letter that went out by email to all Democrats recently. Because all over the media, if you watch the clips, if you go to the different websites and pull up the clips of the news shows, um, the, the pundit hits, the talking heads, whatever you want to call them, everyone is repeating the same thing. Well, now it's Donald Trump's fault that there's racial division in America. 61% of Americans feel like we have, you know, increased racial tension in America. 61%. So why would 61% of Americans think there's increased racial tension? Well, because the majority of the media is controlled by people on the left and people on the left love to talk about racism. And so if all they're talking about is racism, most people are going to think, well, Every every news channel is talking about race. Everyone's talking about racism. It must be because we have a problem with racism. And so they're looking around and people are feeling, you know, white people feel like, wow, I'm I mean, I'm not a racist, but there must be a lot of racists around. And so they're wondering, well, who is it? You know, it's what's going on. And black people are looking around. Well, I work with a lot of white people, but according to what I hear on TV, they must be racist. I mean. They can't possibly just be regular people because 61% of Americans believe there's a problem with race. So there must be a problem with race. So you start looking for it. 
So people who just have a jacked up life and are, are happen to be checking you out at the grocery store and they're not kind to you, they don't have good customer service, that's racism. Instead of it being that person is dealing with financial difficulty or their family member, their spouse has cancer or something awful is happening, like they just had their car repossessed. I mean, there are other problems. There are other reasons why when you go to the store, the person doesn't have good customer service. It's not always racism. Sometimes it is, but it, it could more than likely not be racism. And so every interaction we have with people, instead of it being, wow, this person is, has just found out that their spouse is in a car accident and now they're trying to get from point A to point B and they just shook their fist at me you know, in the car, it must be because racism. No, the person is just in a big, huge hurry and they don't have good manners right now. Every little thing in America has been reduced to racism, not racism. Like that's the only feeling people can have. Instead of acknowledging that human beings can have hundreds of thousands of different feelings in a day, women, we could probably have a million feelings in a day, different ones, a million different unique feelings. And none of them could have to do with race. In fact, on the weekend when I'm not doing radio, when I don't have any work to do, and I, if I unplug from social media, I don't think about being black at all. It never occurs to me. I don't look at my kids and say, oh, look at my black kids. I don't look at my husband and say, oh, look at my black husband. It just never comes up. I don't go to church and think, let me raise my black hands up and praise the Lord. It just doesn't come up. Yet here we are again. And if you don't believe it's a coordinated effort, just turn your television on or turn on your radio and sit back and listen it's gotten so bad that it's now in the local news. It's now in your, your, your local radio stations. If you turn on radio that's not even political, just your, your kind of NPR, they have experts coming on talking about race. Everyone's talking about it. So you're probably thinking, well, Stacey, you're talking about it now too. Yeah, I am. But I'm talking about it to give you a little bit of hope. It's not really a little bit of hope. Um, it's all the hope you're ever going to need. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, I am a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Does it say I'm a new black person in Christ? Or I'm a new Asian person in Christ? No, because the Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free. Christ is all and he is in all all, every one of us, regardless of the tan. So we have to take this conversation back. So many of us are already loving on each other and and caring for our neighbors and doing everything that we can. And so there's really, you know, we just, we pray for our country. We pray for unity. We pray that the, the Holy Spirit would knit our hearts together in love and would give us wisdom and clarity and the ability to see the truth, the truth about each other, that so many of us are hurting and that the behaviors that we're seeing in each other, it has nothing to do with racism and has everything to do with walking every day in this life. Many Americans who are walking every day in this life and they do not know Jesus Christ. And if they knew him, they would have a hope. They would have a reason to believe that Things can and will be so much better. And it's our job to tell them about that. And the more of that we do, 
and the less of suspecting someone of cutting us off in traffic because, you know, they're racist, the less that we look at someone and say, well, they're not treating me well because they think I'm a racist, the less we attribute other people's behaviors to racism, the more we will be able to silently and quietly and effectively ignore and eventually silence this constant drumbeat of negativity and tossing of the race card that has become so endemic and really systematic on the left-hand side of the political aisle. And no, I didn't say every leftist was a racist or a race card tosser or a race baiter. I'm not saying every person on the left is doing that, but the mouthpieces are. And there's always a reason when you see something that's as coordinated as this is. It's not an accident. It's, they're not using the same terms about President Trump by accident. That he hasn't done enough. I've heard that at least 10 times. Uh, that he doesn't denounce white supremacy specifically. I've heard that at least 10 times. That the president enables racism and white supremacists. They're saying those things because the more people hear them, it just becomes like background noise in a loop. And then all of a sudden you believe it. And then you start seeing, you know, it's like confirmation bias. You, you know how it is. You buy a white minivan and before you had a sky blue minivan. And so you saw tons of sky blue minivans. And you're like, I'm so sick of seeing sky blue minivans. So you get a new minivan and the new minivan is white. And all of a sudden you notice that not only are all the minivans the same exact make and model as yours, but they're white. And all of the box trucks, the box minivans are the full size vans are white. The box vans are white. I like every van in America is white. And you also notice all the white cars. And if someone buys, you know, a crossover vehicle and it's, you know, uh, cranberry red, they'll notice all the cranberry red crossover vehicles. And so if you train your mind to see racism and bigotry and animus and every other person, you're going to start noticing someone rolling their eyes. Someone's sighing when you ask them a question and you're going to attribute that to racism or bigotry or them thinking you're a racist instead of thinking, oh, wow, long day. It's amazing how if you say that to someone, they'll go oh, and their shoulders will drop and they'll say, yeah, I'm sorry. What can I do for you? Nothing to do with ethnicity or racism. We can overcome evil with good. Now we know what it is. And now we know how to overcome it by loving our neighbor and by knowing who we are in Christ. New creation, old things gone, new things right here, right now. All of that in Jesus Christ. Fantastic way to look at it and get away from the constant race discussion. When we get back, we're going to have Bishop Harry Jackson. Fantastic interview. We can't wait to talk to him. Stay there. it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. As a head coach, while our goal was to win football games, make it to the playoffs, and even to win the Super Bowl, there were other things I wanted our team to focus on that were more important to me. The reason? Because that's what I believed God called us to do. To build traits like integrity and character, to help others in need, and to seek God's guidance and wisdom in every decision we made. So I challenge you today to change your plan into His plan. 
Do things for the right reason, to glorify God, and your plans will succeed at the time and in the way that God chooses. Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. I had lunch with Steve Green, the CEO of Hobby Lobby, the other day. Okay, I ate lunch with about 300 other people while Mr. Green spoke about Hobby Lobby's founding and how their family walks out their faith through the company. Mr. Green showed photographs of his parents' dining room piled high with frames that he and his siblings earned seven cents an hour to assemble. Today, that company is a multi-billion dollar international concern. Mr. Green spoke of their latest project, the Museum of the Bible, which is both a technological marvel and a thing of unbelievable beauty. What a legacy of excellence the Green family has left for others to emulate. Most of us will never run a billion-dollar company or design and finance a museum, but our daily work is no less important in God's eyes. Whether it's loving and supporting our spouse, raising godly children, or performing our work duties with excellence, God sees and rewards hard work done as unto Him. That's encouraging. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Saving you money, I'm Linda Bell with the Fox Business Network. Are you one of the millions of people who have been contacted by a debt collector? Mike Sullivan, consultant at Take Charge America, says the first thing to do is ask for a letter detailing the debt. You have five days from the time they contact you to get this verification, the amount that you owe and who you owe it to. If you don't believe the debt is yours, Sullivan says send a certified letter challenging the debt. They will often tell you it's fine, just do it online, just do it on the phone. No. But if the debt is yours, Sullivan says don't agree to pay any of it in good faith, even just $5. That will reset the statute of limitations of how long they can actively collect the debt. If you do need help, his advice is to speak to a credit counseling service. Usually A doesn't cost anything and B doesn't commit you to any long-term contractual agreements. And throughout the process, he says make sure you keep a written log of all correspondence. Saving you money, I'm Linda Bell, Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for being with us today. God bless and definitely find us online on uh, StacyOnTheRight.com. So right now I'd like to welcome Bishop Harry Jackson. He's a senior pastor of Hope Christian Church and host of Hope Connection, which is an international television program. Uh, Wonderful to have you with us, Bishop Jackson. Well, thank you for having me, Stacey. Good to be with you. So I want to talk to you first off about the visit to the White House. So you were able to uh, be a part of that pastor's roundtable that President Trump had. And I wanted to get from you your firsthand thoughts and feelings on interacting with the president and what you all were able to accomplish that day. Yeah, well, I've been in dialogue with President Trump for uh, over a year and a half, specifically about criminal justice reform. So I loved his listing out his accomplishments. For me, the idea that there are 4 million new jobs, additional jobs, coming to urban centers yet this year um, is incredible. He talked about that. He talked about enterprise zones that they're setting up. He talked about the fact that re-entering citizens 
folks who've done time in prison are also going to experience some opportunities for jobs. So it hit the hot buttons that I love. Everybody in the meeting was excited, and many of them were not traditional conservatives. They're people with following in the community, and I think it's a new day in terms of the conservative movement being able to talk to and attract minorities. So let's talk about that. Um, One of the things that is being trumpeted across the media today after the one-year anniversary of Charlottesville, where there was another Unite the Right rally, but not very many uh, white supremacists showed up, and a ton of Antifa protesters showed up and were very violent. And we're hearing the same kind of reverberations as last year. The president is a racist. The president refuses to denounce white supremacy. The president doesn't care about black Americans. Yet you've just explained how you sat down with him and discussed prison reform and other issues in ways that the economy is helping to boost the lives of all Americans. What What is your response to that? And as a Christian, I'm, I'm kind of tired of race being the only thing that can be discussed about President Trump. Well... Very good, Stacey. I think you're on the right track, obviously. But <clears throat> I was in Charlottesville. I was interviewed by CNN over the weekend. <clears throat> I'm sorry, actually yesterday. And uh, some other networks. Here's my take. We are in a unique moment in which we are experiencing a civil awakening of justice, meaning all around on the left and the right, people want justice. They want fairness for returning citizens. The Me Too movement was about women not being taken advantage of. There are people that are thinking about the least of these in our culture, the poor, the impoverished, the disenfranchised. But there's no clear moral agenda. (coughs) Sorry, the church has to rise up and trumpet prophetic direction. So I told them, I said, what is happening now is that we have this awakening going on, and you can't blame Mr. Trump for a 400-year-old race problem in America. And I talked about the fact that when my dad was a kid, uh, he saw many people lynched, tortured, all kind of horrific problems. We're at a totally different place. America wants to see God's dream, King's dream accomplished. Now the issue is, how do we go forward? And I need these folks stop trying to act like denouncing President Trump is going to solve a problem. It only creates gridlock, lack of forward motion. It doesn't do anything. So I invited our friends on the left to partner with us in a, a, a supra-political uh, supra um, kind of initiative, meaning let's go beyond politics, let's go to the, the grassroots. And I've got several programs I'd love to promote. Uh, we can talk about it. we have time that left, right, and center can get involved in. But I need for them to stop talking and being antagonistic I need for them to start taking action and becoming problem solvers. All right. So let's talk about that. How does someone go from just talking about the issues to becoming, uh, to actually being an active problem solver? 
Well, let's talk about criminal justice reform, for example. Um, in a two weeks, I'm going to announce uh, at a one-race meeting uh, in, uh, the, in the Atlanta area, I'm going to announce uh, a Bring Dad Home for the Holiday campaign, in which we're going to say every year nearly 700,000 returning citizens come home from local, state, and federal prisons. If every church in America, Bible-believing church and synagogue, adopted two returning citizens, made sure they had housing, made sure they had financial help, job training, and discipleship and counseling around marital issues, we could have or lower the recidivism rate, the return to prison rate in America, two per year over the next two to five years we can make a difference. We don't have to like Mr. Trump to do that. We don't have to become conservative to do that. We need to be biblical Christians to do that. And that's just one thing. And we could enumerate some other issues about uh, starting up uh, companies in urban centers, and I could go on and on, but let's just stay with criminal justice reform, re-entry programs, this is what people are not doing. So folks like Pastor Jamal Bryant were on Facebook trying to wear John Gray and myself and others out, uh, saying, we're Uncle Tom's, we're sellouts. But the fact is, these guys are just complaining and sitting in the corner and sucking their thumb, as opposed to rising up with courage and engaging the culture and attempting to make specific differences. Okay, so you have just really, you've let the hammer down there, Bishop Jackson, and and I want to be the first to say in the interview here that this is much more difficult to do, to actually, to so to be a problem solver, that's actual hard work. It's actual, difficult, hard work. It's worth doing. It's what we're called to do as Christians, but most would rather take the tack of the other gentleman that you mentioned, which is... You talk and criticize and say, well, that, you know, that person is associating with with Donald Trump. That person is is with that person's an Uncle Tom. That's so much easier to do than to set up a program with your church and to actually choose, you know, interview and choose inmates who are being released and say to them, look, we're going to stay with you and then stay with them as they make mistakes, as they possibly, you know, are are not as they as as I like to say, human beings are going to human as they be themselves as they execute humaning <laughs> they're going to be difficult to work with and as christians sometimes that messy difficult work we're like well wait a minute now that's getting a little too rough that that is what you're talking about when you say be a problem solver instead of talking about who's associating with who or who's a racist or who's horrible or who's an uncle tom how about working within the confines of your church and setting up a program like this where one or two people are adopted in and really brought along. And this is an ongoing thing. It doesn't end after a month or six weeks or, or six months. It's they're now a member of the community and they're being helped in that community. You, know, you, you hit the nail on the head. We're talking about practical Christianity. We're talking about going back to the love walk. I recently lost my wife of 41 years. Um, and one of the vows I made to myself with her passing was that I'm going to express my own love and appreciation for people in my circle every day that I can, 
And I'm going to try to make goals that every year that I'm alive, I leave a tangible difference. In that spirit, we need to express love. Yeah, I'm all for calling out people as they need to be called out. I'm all for people being a conscience to the nation. But on the other hand, what are we doing in the spirit of love and by faith right now that can leave a legacy that will last generations? And so I'm trying to live that, and I want to call people to accountability. Let's be the real Christians that we want the world to see. Thank you so much for that, Bishop Jackson. We have, we have an organization. It's not Christian-based. It's uh, Mission St. Louis, and they do exactly what you described. They actually take um, any, any inmate who's completing their, their, their term, um, and they're coming out and back into you know, the regular world. They take them, and they set them up with an apprenticeship at a business, and they work with the businesses to, to facilitate the relationship, and then they help them with parenting classes, and they work with their children to help you know, reintegration into the family and all of that, and they do it 100% on funds raised from people here in St. Louis who donate and attend their fundraisers and you know, kind of shop at their thrift shop and all of that. And this is not a Christian organization, but there are other organizations uh, – Mission Gate is one that works with people who are recently incarcerated and they help them uh, get them off of drugs, help them uh, help get their family members off of drugs, help them reintegrate into their families, helps, you know, bring families back together that have been broken up by crime and poverty. And they do all of that because they believe that their mission is to help the imprisoned as Christ called us to do. Um, And so what you're talking about is it's good work. It's valuable. It's something that we can all be involved in in some way. We don't have to be directly mentoring someone to assist with this. And we really need to be as the hands and feet of Christ working on this in our local churches, because it's so much more effective than just saying, well, the government has a parole officer and that's the way it's going to hit. That's clearly not the answer uh, to lowering recidivism rates. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. And, and God bless you for making this call, for sounding the trumpet to bring all of us into the realization that this is work we all have to get to participate in. Well, thank you for having me. I love AFA and I love your uh, program. Keep up the good work and let's blow the trumpet and make a difference together. Oh, amen to that. And, and so we have just been speaking with Bishop Harry Jackson, senior pastor of Hope Christian Church, host of Hope Connection, which is an international TV show. I encourage you to watch it. I think you can find it on Daystar and other great channels. Um, thank you, sir, for coming on today. God bless. God bless. So that was a fantastic interview with Bishop Jackson. And what I, what I love about what he was talking about is that this is not an insurmountable task for us. And I, I think... More of us would work in this area as, you know, members of the body and inside of our churches if we knew what it was that needed to be done. But we can't just say, okay, our pastor needs to set something up or, you know, I'm sure our pastor will do something. Our pastors are already working on so many different ministries. What we have to do is we have to have someone within the church. Maybe you're listening to this show and you're thinking, is it me? You know, if you feel a little tug there, you know, pray about it and, and, and see if you could get together with a couple of other of your friends. That's the best uh, church groups that start up. It's a small group of friends who get together and pray over an issue. And then the Lord takes them from there. I want to give you guys a couple of resources. Um, this And this is just their website to show you what they're doing. Uh, it's called Mission Gate Prison Ministry. 
Their subtitle is I am the gate. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And they believe in not just helping recently incarcerated individuals, but they have uh, homes. They have something called the Fort Good Shepherd Ranch. This couple used to actually have people living with them in their home who were recently incarcerated. And they realized that, you know, after they had about 12 people, you know, kind of sometimes sleeping on the floor in their living room, and it wouldn't be permanently, it would be that the person would come out of prison and go home, and then they'd have some kind of incident where they couldn't stay at home anymore. A lot of them teenagers or young adults who were incarcerated, and then they, they realize I can't stay at home anymore. And they're looking at going back out onto the streets, being homeless and possibly reoffending. And so they would somehow just get connected up with this couple and end up at their house. Well, they started raising money from people at their church. They opened opened the Fort Good Shepherd Ranch, and now they have more than one location of homes. And they have these fundraisers where they raise money to fund the homes. And the people who live there help the upkeep, and uh, they they actually work. You have to work to live there. You have to do your Bible studies, and you have to do your, uh, your counseling. If that's something that you need, you have to stay clean. But if you make a mistake, instead of being banished and kind of written off, you, ha- you, you have a way back home. There's forgiveness, and they keep working with these people. And the testimonies that my husband and I were able to hear when we, we attended one of their fundraisers, I mean, it just, you just want to ball like a baby when you hear the redemption. And when you hear these people, they'll talk about how they were on drugs, they did all of these crimes, and then they'll be reciting scripture from memory and talking about how God has changed them and how he can change anyone. And that's when you realize there's more to be done. And so this is a job for all of us to do. So you can go to missiongateministry.org. Uh, and, and and it's just a template for some things that can be done at your church, possibly at my church, any at anyone's church. We can do this. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm I'm I've got more for you, so stay right there. Keep it here. Stacy on the right on American Family Radio and Urban Family.